Hey guys, I'm Caitlin Adams, and welcome to the Kirk Students Podcast. We're the student ministry from the Kirk Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you'll hear sermons from Josh Lyle, Colin Grant, and other guest speakers. You can look in the show notes for small group questions and talking points. Make sure you subscribe and share with anyone who follows Kirk Students. If you want to know more about us or get in touch, visit us at thekirk.com or follow us on Instagram at Kirk Students. Now, let's jump in. scriptures read by one of my favorite people, so thank you. Um, yeah, James 1, 2 through 4 is where we're going to spend our time tonight. This is our last week uh, talking about change, and I unintentionally gave part of this message last night um, to at TU, um, and it just kind of happened to coincide with a lot of the things that I have been dealing with and going through and talking through and writing through and praying through, and um, the whole idea tonight, though, is that change makes you stronger. And while that's true, um, it doesn't feel good. A lot of times it doesn't feel good uh, when you're in the middle of it, uh, when you're maybe even like you, you can sense a change is coming, so you're on the front end of it, and you know it's going to make you stronger, you know it's going to make you better, but like you just don't want it. And um, that's kind of where we're going to find ourselves tonight. Um, Mainly because of this, uh, we said it in the first week, we change all the time and God doesn't. And so how do we relate to a God who doesn't change? How do we feel the things that he feels? And how do we speak the things that he speaks, even though our circumstances are always changing? And even though our circumstances are always kind of ebbing and flowing and we never really know where we'll be or how we'll feel or what we'll say in the moment, right? A lot of times emotions drive us or the feelings drive us and we want to dive into that tonight. So I'm going to read the scripture one more time. Thank you for reading out of the ESV. That's what I use. Uh, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So a few weeks ago, I told you about my dog, Zach. Zach was put down by my, my heartless father, who I thought was heartless at the time. And he did what I guess he needed to do. And that change shaped me for multiple reasons. A, I lost a friend. B, I lost a dog. Um, but really more than that, I, I learned uh, this weird thing that, that maybe a, a second, first or second grader shouldn't, I don't know, I guess everybody has to learn. I learned loss. Like this change had subtracted something from my life. It had removed something from me. And while it was just a dog, Zach wasn't just a dog. He was everything to me. Uh, I texted my mom a few days ago, and she still has pictures of me and this dog, this Cocker Spaniel, Zach with an H, very important, with an H, playing in this Looney Tunes pool uh, in our backyard in Union, South Carolina. And, and a lot of things got brought up for me. Even now as a 30-year-old man, I'm looking at these pictures, and I find myself weeping because <laughs> I, I, I just talked about it. And I told my parents we had talked about it, and said, so like, well, check these out. These will brighten your day. No, they won't. And they didn't. Um, and so, so I didn't just learn that change is hard or that change is sometimes necessary. I didn't really care if it was going to make me stronger. Like, what strength do I need as a second grader or first grader or whatever? But I, I now understood more than I had before loss. And while there was a lot of subtraction in those moments for me, what I am able to look back now, I can see was kind of the foundation for anything that I've ever been able to add to my life. 
out of this weird moment of subtraction and loss has become, has made me able to make addition in my life and to kind of understand and frame my losses or my changes. And I know it's so weird and, all, and very elementary, but this one moment in my life that I remember being in that car and my dad telling me these things. And so the point of that is this. We have our first slide. Change is never just external. It is also always internal. It does something to you on a deeper level than just the physical level. Always. Here's an example. I was in fifth grade. Does anybody know the, like, it's not really a holiday, but like the, the day that America just acknowledged, I don't want to say celebrated, acknowledged, 20 years ago, September 11th, 2001. I remember everything about the day. I was in fifth grade at, um, or in, we were in Asheville, North Carolina. I was in Miss Borum's class, and I remember her because she was the worst teacher I ever had, and I used to call her Miss Borum all to death. But that was her real name, Miss Borum. And she, she came in and felt that it was totally appropriate to say, oh my gosh, a plane just hit one of the World Trade Centers to fifth graders. What do we do with this information? She says, grab the TV, we're gonna watch the news. Horrible decision to make for a classroom of fifth graders. We turn on the TV. About the time we turn the TV on, we see the second plane hit. Fifth graders. Why? Okay. I learned in the moment that teachers, adults, oftentimes don't know how to process things as well as they think they do. And so we're kind of all seeing this, witnessing this together. And there was very much, even for me as a fifth grade boy in Asheville, North Carolina, a sense of loss. What was going to happen to us? Where were we going to go? My parents picked me and my brother up early. This is one of the only years we ever were able to go to the same school together. And my dad left the next day and flew to Washington, D.C., and then took a train to Philadelphia and then took cars into New York City because you couldn't fly into the airports. My dad was gone for two weeks, spent two weeks at Ground Zero. Uh, he was doing pastoral care and feeding, and then when he wasn't doing that, he was digging through rubble. The, like a massive loss for us. It wasn't just an external thing. It did something to me, even as a fifth grader. It did something to my dad as a grown man who is walking down into the space where things that should not be able to stand, these giant buildings once stood, and now they're not. Change is not just external. It is always internal. And what that means is that change matters. If you dismiss it, you will miss what the Lord has for you in change. And you can look at this with any big moment in your life, whether it is uh, a, a, a massive, heavy thing like September 11th or um, if it is like whenever Tom Brady retires from the NFL. It's going to be a big deal for football fans. What are we going to do without him? I don't know really an NFL without Tom Brady. I don't really know. I can't remember not watching a season where he was prominent. Or like what does it do like when parents split or when your friend's parents split or all, all these things that are, they could happen at any given moment and it's not just an external thing but these are big moments that we feel internally another example hopefully some of you guys have experienced this hopefully most of you guys haven't I thought that I was smarter than my mom one day and I was young second third grade and I had this metal fork and if you are in third grade as a boy before like cell phones exist really you rule the world and I wanted to like find something to put my fork in found an outlet whole lot of external change. <laughs> I realize I don't like sensations like this, um, but what, 
what happened internally was I've got to clock this moment forever so that I don't do this again, right? I don't want to have to learn this lesson twice, so I stick the fork into the outlet, and my mom is way too busy yelling at me to realize that I actually can't get out of this. Like, I don't know what to do. Um, and so then she, like, pulls me away, and I just fall down. I remember this. This is that's a big shifting moment uh, for some of us older people. Do you guys remember the little cigarette lighter thing in the in the van? We called that humility as kids. Humility is learned. I pulled it out, put my thumb on it, remember it forever. I don't know why. I was like, man, this orange glowing thing I should probably touch. But I learned a lot. And it wasn't just external things. This transferred to an internal mental thing where I'm like, I don't want to do those things anymore. Guess what I haven't done since third grade? I've never stuck a fork into an outlet. Kind of, kind of looking forward to one of my kids. Just, I just want to see what it looks like. I don't know. I can't. I, uh, <laughs> right? Um, I, I, I got, to, and this will be recorded so Lily could hear this one day. I don't know. Um, I got stung by a jellyfish one time. Now, every time I go to the ocean, I'm looking eyes peeled. I don't, wanna ha- I don't want that to happen again. I still have the mark, like, on my leg. Uh, all these things that are external, they have an external component. Once the buildings were there, now they're not. Massive loss of life. I used to have a dog named Zach with an H, and now I don't. Or I used to try to stick forks and outlets, and now I certainly do not do that thing. All, all of these external things had very much internal impact on me. And what that has done is, is it has shaped my expectations. I now know when I go to the beach, keep your eyes peeled. For the jellyfish. They're not all fun and games like Spongebob wants you to think, right? Like, they, they will harm you. They will. They don't care about you. Most of them don't even have names. They're just anonymous things just here to hurt you. I, it has shaped me. It has shaped my expectation of the beach. Probably the reason I hate the ocean, maybe. It, it has shaped my vision of what I'm looking for. And so what I want to ask you tonight before we go into small groups is this. What shapes your visions or your expectations. Now, I know not to stick the fork in the outlet because I've done that before. My expectation for that is high for pain. I don't want that. Learned it in third grade. Don't need to learn that lesson again. But there is something that has shaped my vision or my expectation of the things that I'm going to experience. I had no way to prepare for September 11th. No way. But now I have an expectation if something were to happen again. And I've seen it. I've been a part of it. I felt it in a, in a community space where other people around me were feeling it. I have a vision for what it could look like if it happened again. Change makes you stronger, but what does that mean for you in the moment? Anybody ever heard, uh, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger? My dad loved that because he's from East Texas, and apparently that's the only, like, ism that they know is if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Well, my dad uh, added on to that as I was a kid and continued to get hurt. If it doesn't kill you, it'll make you stronger, but it will hurt like heck tomorrow, right? Like that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm learning this too, right? Like what doesn't kill you, it, it probably will make you stronger, but it will certainly hurt tomorrow. And so how do we navigate these spaces? Here is the truth. Scripture should shape your expectations and your vision more than your experience. What you experience is real and genuine, and oftentimes it can be good or bad. There's very rarely any experiences that we have that are riding the line of good or bad. You're not really neutral about these things. It's either I'm learning from this or, hey, I want to lean into this a little bit more, like I, right? But 
scripture should shake should shape my experience more or scripture should shape my vision and my expectation more than my experience now james says this count it all joy it's not all joy it's not all joy was not joy to find out about Zach. It was not joy to. It wasn't. It wasn't fun. I'm. I'm. It was hard, and like it's. It's funny, but it wasn't fun. All these lessons that I've learned, right? Like, don't kick a football with your shoes off. Dumb things. One time in PE, I decided I wanted to play soccer, but I only had sandals on. So guess what I did? I kicked them bad boys off. Let's go, kids all around the world, do it. Not this kid. I kicked that ball as hard as I could broke my toe. Do you know what they do for a broken toe? Nothing. You just have to wait and get over it. So, so I've learned these lessons. I've had these experiences. And while it wasn't joy in the moment, now hopefully if I break my toe again playing barefoot soccer, if I haven't learned from my experience, I can count it all joy. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now he specifically says the word trials. A lot of that is contextual because of what the church is going through at this moment. They're being persecuted genuinely. They're not just being held accountable like Western church. They're being killed. They're, they're not just being held to a higher standard. They're being slaughtered. Like he's all the trials. So he wants you to know specifically the hard things count it all joy. Now, the only way that I can count the hard things joy is if I know that it's producing something. I need this to be worth it. I need these moments, these hard things, these trials to mean something tomorrow. I need to learn from these moments. And then he says this, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. It's almost like he's reminding you what's in the back of your head. You know now because scripture will shape your experience. Scripture will shape your expectation. Scripture will shape your vision. You now know what this trial will produce. You now know what this is going to do. Essentially, James is saying it's going to make you tougher. It's going to give you steadfastness. It's going to give you longevity. You're going to be able to bend instead of break. You're going to be able to hurt but also heal. Like, you're going to be able to keep walking. It's going to be okay. I broke my toe. I kicked that ball with so much confidence, and I walked off the field. It, it hurt real bad. True story. Senior year of high school. Uh, I was playing football. First game, we had to travel to Virginia for some reason to play this team. They weren't very good, but they were better than us. And this kid comes out of nowhere and, and hits me in the knee with his helmet and shatter everything. Everything's gone. I'm laying on the field. It sucks. And here's my dad, big East Texan guy, saying, walk it off. Like, <laughs> can't. <laughs> uh, but I sure tried. I sure tried. I was like, no, like my, like my dad has a tough son. Like, I'm a tough son. He's a walk it off. Come on, son. It was very embarrassing for both of us because I tried my best, couldn't do it. But, like, I knew that from this moment I had to rehab, had to come back a little bit better. So that that way, if it happens again, I've learned from it. Essentially what Paul is saying, or what James is saying is let these hard things do their work. Let them do what they're designed to do, which is give you a little bit of longevity. Now, here's how we do that. Verse 4 says this, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Don't quit before it's done. Don't, don't run away from it before the lesson's learned. Don't shy away from the hard things, from the things you don't understand, just because you don't understand them. Don't let a lack of understanding drive a lack of compassion. 
Like the, all, all of these things where like God is taking you from this moment to this moment to this moment to this moment. Some are good. Some are really, really hard. But they're all producing longevity in you. Don't quit before the work is done. I run. Everybody knows this. I run a lot. I do the best I can with what I have. Not fast, but I keep going. And essentially, my whole thing about running is like I am resolved to finish. Now, here is what I know. Uh, I ran a half marathon in March. Uh, first, like actual like race half marathon. And uh, I knew the pace in my mind that I wanted to keep, so I kept this pace. I didn't run with a phone or with headphones. I wanted to hear everybody huffing and puffing. I wanted to be, I wanted to hear the crap. Like, I wanted to hear it, right? I, wa- I didn't want to miss anything. If people were talking, I could pop into their conversation. We're going to be out here for a while, so why not? So I'm running, and a lot of people start off ahead of me, but I'm keeping my pace. I'm disciplined. I'm resolved. I'm not going to, I'm going to do this, right? Well, these people who started off way in front of me, they're like, yeah, I've got this, I've got this. About halfway in, I'm passing them. I haven't gone any faster. I haven't sped up. They've slowed down. Get to the loop and turn around. Some of these people, they're just dead. They're walking at this point, and I'm, I've got my pace. I'm keep going. I get to the finish line, and I cross, and, and, and the family's there and all that stuff, and I see that some of these people who were behind me are already at the finish line. I'm like, there's no way that they finished before me. They didn't. They quit. And as a 29-year-old male running the T-Town half, I realized in that moment that coming in last is bad. I almost said sucks. Coming in last is bad. <laughs> but it's not as bad as not finishing. I would much rather come in second place than not place at all. Don't leave until the job is done. Don't quit while there is still work to do. Allow yourself through this to lack nothing. James is saying that let this be made perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Don't leave the experience lacking the experience. Don't leave the experience lacking the emotion that the experience has given you. Don't leave the experience. Don't leave the trial, I guess, worse than when you walked in. Because I don't know how these people felt that didn't finish. They were enjoying all the drinks and the snacks as if they had. I don't know what they felt, but if that was me, I wouldn't be able to enjoy it. I didn't finish the work. I didn't do the thing. Here's our last bit, and then we'll go to groups. Um, God is near to you in change, but he is not changing himself. And so just because you are going through that thing does not mean that he also inwardly is going through that thing. And what I mean by this, what I mean by that is this. Because you feel a certain way does not mean that God feels that way. Because you have a certain perspective does not mean that God has that perspective. Because you have a certain desire does not mean that God has that same desire. He is not desiring to remove the thing from you, or he would. He is not desiring for you to quit, or he would make you stop. We, we often think that, well, if I'm feeling this way, then the, surely the Lord is feeling this way too. And that's not usually the case. He is usually much more compassionate than you're being to yourself, or sometimes he's much more rigorous on you than you are. Just because we feel this way doesn't mean that God is feeling this way, but we can rest in who he is and what he is doing. He has not failed you yet. He will not start now. He has not stopped yet. He has lasted much longer than I have. And here's our last thing. Don't miss out on the change. Um, We have a slide for this. My wife and I say this to each other all the time. And we mean it when we say it, and it is not always great when we say it, but we say just because it's good doesn't mean it isn't hard. And just because it's hard doesn't mean it isn't good. 
We live by this. If it's hard, it's probably producing something good for you. If it's good, it doesn't mean that it isn't going to be hard for you to do. It's very difficult for me to run these runs. It's very difficult for me to, I don't really like change. It's, it's very difficult. But it doesn't mean it isn't good. It does, it, it does not mean that it isn't ordained. All of these things that you experience, lean into it. All of these things that you feel, lean into it. But don't live there. Because God might not be feeling the same way about these things as you do. And that is good news for us. Let me pray for you.